Hey, what's going on? This is Zid Raw with Otaku B. I'm not going to give the date. I'm not going to give the time. I kind of like these ideas and concepts to be evergreen because I don't really want to talk about like news items and things of that nature because then I feel like that's what you end up having to talk about. I like talking more about abstract concepts and other things of that nature. So, oh, and also, um, forgive me if I sound a little strange. I'm trying something different. I want to see how it works. So I think my vocals are going to come in a little bit differently. I'll check them. If they seem passable, I'll just let this one through. But if they don't work, I won't do it this way ever again. So yeah, uh, I haven't been doing this show that long so I don't really anticipate much uh, audience feedback at the moment but I noticed on some of the other shows that you can kind of call in and you can leave your uh, two cents give your opinion about stuff so I think I'm going to throw one out there and just kind of see what happens if you're listening and you have Anchor the Anchor app which is what I'm recording this on Go ahead and uh, call in, call into the show, and give me your opinion on one of three things. What's your favorite anime, and why? What's your favorite video game, and why? What's your favorite hip-hop album, and why? Because that's basically what Otaku Beef is all about. For those of you who are real new to this, I'm an aspiring rapper music producer. And I've been a long, old-head otaku at the same time, you know, video game geek, nerd, whatever. And I've always liked to kind of see the things that I enjoy kind of blend together, which I feel as if they don't really do in a lot of respects. It was a big deal when I first saw the theme song for Samurai Champloo, and they had... uh, either pronounced Nujabes or Nujabes, probably Nujabes, as the producer. And it was this real lo-fi, uh, Dilla-esque, like, sampled, like, rap as a theme song, which I had never conceived. But I think that that inspired a lot of people because there's a lot of... Uh, anime fans who are also hip-hop fans and that segment isn't really particularly acknowledged for any type of reason simply because there's a lot of uh, anime uh, expos and a lot of anime conventions but what usually occurs is they have like uh, music segments and during those music segments what they usually play they usually play some form of house music or techno and that's basically that and occasionally they'll mix in a little bit of like uh, the production that I like but I know that there's a whole set there's a whole community of anime fans and hip-hop fans who don't really have anybody kind of like speaking directly to them so that's kind of what interests me that's kind of what I'm about that's kind of Uh, the whole thing with my otaku beats if you don't know I've been kind of like trying my hand at making like these lo-fi 
uh, beats where I'm mixing uh, different sounds and song tracks for different anime shows. And that's also on YouTube uh, with my mixtapes and my random uh, otaku beat music that uh, I've put up. I also have stuff on SoundCloud that's not related to that and so forth and so on. But I just feel like it's this almost open lane that more people are going to start climbing into. So I just want to provide some stuff for uh, different people like that who, you know, maybe in some level feel like me. That's what I'm about. So I want to hear what you're about too. So go ahead and give me a call. Tell me what you think. Tell me what what games you like, what animes you like, what hip-hop you like. Let's have a little bit of a conversation. That's my, that's my call to action this morning. Yo, what's going on? It's Z-I-D-R-A-V-V. And I was just super excited because I was reminiscing in my brain about the Nintendo 64. And in particular, uh, there was one video game on the Nintendo 64, which it's an amazing game, but nobody's really ever played it except for a couple of people who stumbled upon it or who it was recommended to. There's a game, an anime-inspired game called Mischief Makers on the Nintendo 64. And in the worlds of a credible, brand new, like brand new 3D platforming, like the Nintendo 64 kind of ushered in the era of the 3D platformer that was universally loved. Like, I think PlayStation may have come out first and had... Banjo, not Banjo Kazooie, and had Crash Bandicoot, which was okay, and it was kind of fun, but it wasn't like Super Mario 64. It wasn't like Banjo Kazooie and Zelda and all the 3D. 3D platformer was the name of the game. Um, PlayStation had Spyro the Dragon, which was pretty dope. Uh, Ape Escape, some other random ones, but Mischief Makers. They used 3D graphics and they used 3D engine, but this was a side-scroller. Your characters were 3D characters who were moving on a 2D plane, and it was awesome. It was such a weird, crazy anime throwback. I think the main character was like a robot girl made of blocks, and um, the platforming mechanics that they had were just so intuitive. She had double jumps and air dashes, and she could uh, grab blocks and shake them, and coins and stuff would pop out when she would be like, shake, shake, and she would send the coins out into the air. That game was so much fun, and I remember when I rented it, I was just like, because you know, when you're a kid, back back in my day, we had these things called Blockbuster Video, and that's where we could borrow video games before they started putting them in Redbox. And you would have a certain amount of time to play it. And it was actually a little bit cheaper, where I think it was like three fifty for the for like the weekend, whereas Redbox is like for a video game like three bucks a night or something like that. So So the what I did is I would go into Blockbuster on the weekends. I had a crazy brain fart. <laughs> I would go to Blockbuster on like Friday 
or my mom would take me, you know, because I was only like 14 or 13. I couldn't drive. And I would try to find something that's going to keep my, 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 uh, going to keep my attention throughout the weekend because I want to play games and I want something new, but I don't, I can't afford anything new because I'm 14 and my allowance was low and whatever, whatever the reason. So, I remember renting this game, Mischief Makers, just because it kind of had this anime vibe and I wasn't sure, and I'm so glad I rented it. I completed the entire game throughout the weekend. The levels were fun, the platforming was satisfying, the design was cool, the, 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 the stories and the bosses were funny. Like it had humor to it. So it's like the boss would be very mad, but in an anime way. And he would like have like the anime uh, emotional indicators and stuff like that. It was one of my favorite games for the Nintendo 64 that doesn't really get come up. But why? Because Nintendo being Nintendo puts its emphasis on classic Nintendo stuff. So the emphasis is on the, the, the remember that old Mario, remember that Zelda... Uh, and then Rare had enough games on there that people will remember the Rare games. Remember uh, GoldenEye, and you remember Banjo-Kazooie and Perfect Dark and Donkey Kong 64, and so forth and so on. But for someone like me, when I was able to just kind of experience this very random and very unique thing that probably for most people never even heard about or never even knew, that was a special moment in gaming history for me. Mischief Makers, if you can find an emulator of it, if you have a Nintendo 64, you're looking for old games, I highly recommend it, highly. That was one of my favorite gaming experiences that just kind of came and went in the blink of an eye. Yo, what's going on? This is Zid Raw, Z-I-D-R-A-V-V. I'm hanging out with WTF is underscore is juice. WTF is juice. He is a Twitch streamer. We've been buddies for a while. He creates video games. He's a dope musician. He's actually going to talk to you about the new video game, the mobile he's been playing, the one that everybody's playing. So give him your ears. Go for it, man. Hey, what's up, uh, radio, radio people? Um, Yes, WTF is Juice, and uh, I've been playing this new game, it's called MXM, uh, Master X Master, it's made by NCSoft, um, their company made uh, Blade Soul, um, Aeon, and so what they've done is uh, they've created their own MOBA, so this is uh, similar to League of Legends, um, Heroes of the Storm, uh, and it's called MXM Master X Master, <clears throat> and they've pulled all their heroes, um, a majority of them from those games, and they've incorporated them into this one. So now you can play as some of the characters from that game. The really cool thing about um, this MOBA is that there's also a PvE aspect. Um, so that means you can uh, do raids and uh, you can farm bosses and get uh, gear off of them. Um, that gear also reflects in your uh, PvP experience too, so you have to gain some gear in order to get your full experience. But besides just a, a PvE aspect, so they have PvP and PvE aspect of the game, which is a lot of fun, they have this thing called tagging. Um, so you can tag between two heroes. So in any game you play, you pick two masters. And then you're able to swap between those masters. So the game is more about comboing your, you and uh, your other master that you pick, their skills together. Um, so that's really my favorite aspect about it. Is, uh, especially for somebody like me, who's when I play MOBAs, um, I die a lot. And uh, I get frustrated. That's the worst part of playing a MOBA for me, is like waiting 
to revive because you're so into the game, you're so active, and then now you have to turn off. Um, with the, the tag system, you know, if you get low, you can swap to somebody else, and so it creates more survivability. Um, but it also creates a lot of uh, flexibility as far as how you can kill people, how you can play the game, and how you can move around. Um, I really enjoy the game. I was really hyped about it. The music on it is insane. Um, and like I said, NCSoft made it. And like seriously, if you don't play the game at all, if you don't like MOBAs, least listen to the music because it is really cool. The first track on the album, it has these horns. Um, and it's like this, you know, Western, um, you know, futuristic cowboy sound. And it's so cool and it gets you so hyped. Um, listen to Upside Down, the remix. Uh, if, you, if you know the game, you already know that song, so I won't say anymore. Um, but it's great. It, it's phenomenal. I really love the game. It's highly entertaining. It's a free-to-play game. I should have mentioned that at the beginning. So all you got to do is download the game and you're good to go. Um, you sign up with NCSoft, you create an account, and you log in. Um, Besides that, another cool feature I like is that you use WASD to move. So, it, like typically MOBAs, you would right-click to move your character around. Not with MXM, um, it it, de it really utilizes um, you know hotkeys and the functionalities that people want in MOBAs. Um, for instance, not just using WASD to move your character around, um, you also can just shoot by holding the left click. Um, so if, if you're a ranged character and you hold down left click, then you will just constantly shoot. Uh, if you're a melee character and you hold down left click, you'll constantly swing. Um, which is really great because it requires you not to do so many clicks. Uh, for somebody who plays music, guitar, bass, all that stuff, it's I really value my hands. And so by uh, being able to just hold the left click down to shoot, it, it's a great feature and really saves my... Uh, my joints, you know, like that's, I'm just gonna be honest, like health is a huge thing for me, especially for gamers. Um, that functionality is huge and it's a lot of fun. Besides that, you also have a, um, a meter on your, when you shoot, uh, and it's called your overheat meter. Um, and so what happens, if you hold it down long enough, you'll overheat your weapon and you'll have to cool it down. So you can't always constantly be shooting. You have to take these these midterm breaks of about a second if you, re if you cap out on that meter. Uh, so what people typically do is they just, when they're getting close to that, they let it go. Um, I feel like I've said a lot about the game. It's a lot of fun. Um, Shout your channel. Yeah, um, uh, if you guys want to ever take a look at it, I stream the, uh, I stream the game uh, typically on weekends. Um, I'm in uh, CST America's. Uh, my, uh, you can see all of it on Twitch. Uh, my Twitch is twitch.tv uh, backslash WTF underscore is underscore juice underscore. Uh, it's a lot of underscores. Simple to remember, though. You can just Google my name, WTF is juice. I'm on SoundCloud. I also write music for Pokemon. <clears throat> and, uh, and, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. If you guys have any questions, talk to me or talk to Zidra. And thanks for your time. What up, what up? Z-I-D-R-A-double-V. I hope everybody's doing great. I haven't given any, shown any love, I should say, to one of my favorite MCs, one of the guys of the game. I have a top five favorite MC list that's a little bit less popular and still popular. It's not too different than too many people's, but it's different enough that it makes people go, oh, okay, that's interesting. So these are my top favorite rappers. Kanye West, Jay Electronica, Char Childish Gambino, Sir Michael Rocks, and Charles Hamilton. Charles Hamilton is 
probably my favorite when it comes to how he puts his whole concept together. Now, if you don't know about Charles, you probably weren't really into the mixtape scene in 2009, 2010, 2008. It was around that time when XXL, (coughs) excuse me, y'all, but that's the reality. Let me get these coughs out. When XXL was releasing their freshman list, and this was the first freshman list after the one that was like kind of one that didn't count. The first unofficial freshman list had Lupe Fiasco, Joel Ortiz. It had Papoose. When they were on the scene and they just kind of called it young MCs that you should know. After that, they made it official. And so we know it now. Now it's like a thing. You have Amine, Playboy Cardi, Tentacion, Ugly God. You have all these different like modern rappers. But, <clears throat> but it came from somewhere. That's right. I'm being honest with you guys, but not that honest. <laughs> so... The first freshman, official freshman list from 2008 had B.O.B., Mickey Fax, Charles Hamilton, Asher Roth, Kid Cudi, Wale, Ace Hood, (coughs) a couple of other people who I just cannot recall at this point, but there was, (coughs) excuse me guys, there was some rappers who really blew up or who were... I'll get some water before I do the next one. Don't worry, y'all. I appreciate y'all listening. But there are some rappers who blew up before this list, almost like in a major way. Like Kid Cudi was already doing stuff for Kanye West. He was good. Other rappers, not so good. They were a little bit too independent. Charles Hamilton was with Interscope Records at the time. And he signed with Jimmy Iovine because he was like, yes, I'm with Interscope. I can kind of do my own thing. They're going to respect it. But he never really blew up like that. He never quite got beyond his first single, Brooklyn Girls, which was really hidden, but it wasn't super artistic. It was real mainstream. And there's been a lot of contention back and forth where what happened? His career basically took a nosedive when he had a battle with a girl whom I guess was one of his ex-girlfriends. And... In the battle, he said some wild shit to her that he didn't never need to say. And then she punched him in the face, and that was all she wrote. And then after that, he never quite found his footing. He got dropped from Interscope. He said some shit about Jay Dilla and all this stuff. So he has this very crazy relationship with hip-hop and the hip-hop community. But despite all of this, and despite his issues he's had with depression, with anxiety, with drug abuse, with not being able to eat, with homelessness, he remains one of the purest artists that I've 
ever had the pleasure of listening to. So if you guys don't know, I'm going to play some Charles Hamilton music and then we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive just because I fucking love all his music. He's one of my favorite MCs. I can still go back and listen to his mixtapes and I might just do that after I get some of this off. So I appreciate you guys listening to this. We're going to do some Charles Hamilton stuff because I can, because I want to, because I am otaku beef. Love you guys. That was Charles Hamilton with Brooklyn Girls, the first single off of the album that basically never was. Now, the reason I wanted to start with that Charles Hamilton song is just because that's not the representation of Charles Hamilton. That was something that he put together, which he thought was dope, and he just put it out. But he was never intending to make that a single because he feels like that song is non-artistic. It's very by the books, very by the numbers, and yet people gravitated toward him. A lot of uh, female fans heard that particular song and they were like, hey, when is he going to release more songs like that? And I can see why. I mean, it speaks to the female audience. It's Brooklyn Girls. It's about the girls that he lo- that he likes, the ones that are into him, the ones that aren't. Has a nice, catchy, very catchy hook, actually. He wrote it. He mastered it. He or he wrote it. He produced it. I think Shalik mastered it. But it never was really telling his story, and his story. They tried to put him off as like mischievous, kind of like, yeah, he's the kid in the back of the class and he's up to something, but he had a little bit of a darker, a darker past. What I actually advise everybody to do is imagine that it's 10 years ago. And the mixtape scene is just crazy hot. I don't believe mixtapes are as hot now as they were because no one's really listening. Not many up and coming people are listening to their music in like a complete package top to bottom as much. Like I think the mixtapes and the albums are still gonna be there. They're just gonna be in a more truncated form. I think if your album is more than 10 uh, tracks, it's probably too long. Not because people's attention spans suck, there's just too much to do. So you're forcing people to choose between your album and Game of Thrones. And I'm going to tell you something, Game of Thrones is going to win a lot of the time. What's going to happen, in my humble opinion, is albums are going to be about seven tracks long. And then mixtape EPs are going to be coming out about three to four tracks. Maybe two to four tracks, just enough to give you more than one song, a little variety, but not too much that it's going to overwhelm you because you have shit to do. And that's, I think, kind of where the world is going. Or we're going to get smaller, smaller albums, and then the playlist thing is going to pop off like Drake was betting on. And that could happen. The playlist thing, almost like would feel kind of cool because it's like being let into the artist from a different perspective. But that's not technically what a playlist is based on what some other people have said. It's playlist is like a curated list of songs that you've selected that serve several different purposes, not just songs that you didn't put on your album. But 
all that in mind, it's not present day, it's back then, it's 10 years ago, mixtapes are fire. Listen to Charles Hamilton in this order, Sonic the Hamilton, where you get a full deep dive about what he's about with Sonic the Hedgehog, which was his thing. I'll get into the Sonic thing on the next segment. Sonic the Hamilton. Then imagine that he's popping. He's getting popular. He's about to get signed. He does get signed. They're about to drop an album. He says he has one ready to go. They can't clear the the samples. So he's like, fine, I'll drop my own curated album of music that I put together called The Pink Lava Lamp. So one, Sonic the Hamilton, two, The Pink Lava Lamp. And then finally, you're about to release your debut album. You're about to release it. Tragedy hits you. You get into some bullshit. You fuck up, you get dropped. And then your debut album leaks. Listen to This Perfect Life. That's Sonic the Hamilton, The Pink Lava Lamp, and then This Perfect Life. Listen to them in that order, and you will see the MC that I'm talking about. But up next, let's talk about some Sonic stuff that he's into. Sonic the Hedgehog was his... It was a metaphor of what he was trying to be. It's, it was his avatar, his spirit animal. It was his quote-unquote religion. It was more to him than just your everyday video game. Now. Most of us know who Sonic the Hedgehog is because you listen to Otaku Beats. I'm assuming that you're a gamer or you're gamer adjacent in some fashion. If not, let me fill you in real quick. The video game came out uh, for the Sega Genesis, which was the competitor to Nintendo Entertainment System, the original Nintendo. The tagline in America was, Sega does what Nintendo don't. Like, it had blast processing, whatever the fuck that meant. And it was a cool console. We had a Sega growing up, and the titular character, the mascot, was Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, Sonic the Hedgehog had... Actually, I want to say Sonic the Hedgehog games had some amazing like music like the soundtrack soundtracks for Sonic 2 were in 3 were incredible and even like I don't know if this is fact or just urban legend that Michael Jackson consulted for a lot of the music for Sonic 3 well I don't know if that plays a part into why Charles Hamilton idolizes Sonic like that he never said that but to him it seems like it's more on a spiritual basis like he's using Sonic as an avatar to portray the senses and sensibilities that he's trying to uh, relate to. And Sonic is one of the best and nearest and uh, dearest vessels to him, which may have even saved him in his younger years. So the way he described it is Sonic is what? A hedgehog. Hedgehogs bury themselves in the ground. I am Sonic the Hedgehog. I bury myself in sound, Sonic's sound. Charles Hamilton is a musician on top of being a rapper. He plays the piano, guitar, bass, a little bit of drums, uh, probably a couple of other things. He's got crazy chopping skills. He's like a wizard with the beat production and he makes some interesting choices. He's also on record as saying that rock music is his favorite genre, which he said in probably his 
best song on the Pink Lavender Lamp, uh, Loser. Uh, the cook being, I once was a loser and I'm older, still the same loser. That's why I look so perfect to you. You see the past, I see the future. Solid hook right there, one of his best. And the song was uh, really, really snapping. He was touted up to be as like the next Kanye West because he was great at sampling. He did his own sampling and he rapped on top of it. He dressed preppy. He was seen as the weirdo. Everyone else was wearing like the typical rapper shit or the college shit. And Charles would wear all pink. That was another one of his idiosyncrasies. He would say, well, he said he used to be a goth like when he was in high school and stuff, but he would say beyond that, well, I believe that God is a woman because we all come from God, we all come from women. And I'm colored pink, which is the inside of a woman's womb, so I want to pay my homage and respect to women everywhere. And so he rode with the pink thing. That was his thing. And it was fire. I mean, when you get, when you learn about who he is and then you see what he does, where he named his, his first album, his first unofficial non-interscope album as the Pink Lava Lamp, man, it just suits him. It fits, and he has some of his best music ever. He was like a kid when he recorded some of this stuff. 18, 19, 20, a kid. Like, and he still spits crazy fire. I'll get into like his modern day stuff in a little bit, but I just wanted to point out that if you have peeped any of his songs at all, and you listen to any of the Pink Lava Lamp or Sonic the Hamilton, man, Sonic the Hamilton is a masterstroke. Sonic the fucking Hamilton. If you haven't gone and listened to that yet, go listen to it again. Because some of the stuff he says on there is just astoundingly um, uh, impactful and almost like crazily wise bond beyond his years. But shout out to Charles Hamilton, man. I'm glad he's just kicking here with us. Let me talk about the Sonic the Hamilton mixtape for a little bit and some of his later year music stuff. Sonic the Hamilton was just crazy. He took a bunch of samples from the different Sonic games and then he flipped them, he rhymed over them, he had drums, hooks, and he just came up with this monster of a project that a lot of people weren't really used to in the industry. This was around the time where it was slowly starting to become cooler to be a nerd. And at the time, the closest thing that people really had to somebody who wasn't the, the typical hip hop rapper was they had something called backpackers where they weren't talking about bling rap, but they were still cool because they were like underground and real and like all that, all, all that shit. And like the closest thing that people really had was Kanye West, who was like King Backpacker. This is before he went to fashion Kanye West, whereas at first, he was like backpacker, but he was able to connect the street guys with the underground guys. Talib Kweli took him on tour with him. He basically set him up, stuff like that. Whereas, as far as nerds, there weren't really any that were like official rappers. Like there was MC um, Front a lot. He was a he's a white guy who wore glasses and kind of played up the whole like nerd angle but 
you know, he was just like, yeah, I'm an MC, but I'm a white guy. I'm fronting a lot. MC front a lot. You know what I'm saying? Um, Lupe Fiasco touched on it a little bit because he was like, hey, he was like, you know, rapping that smart art shit. And uh, Pharrell was a nerd and he was going NERD, right? But he was still cool as fuck. Like, that's like the coolest nerd, like, ever. And he was still just basically like more of a skater. He wasn't like a geek. He was like, you know, a band geek. He was still kind of fly. Charles Hamilton is a fucking nerd. Like, in school, like, he would get in trouble and stuff, but he was playing video games. He didn't want to go outside. He hates parties. Bad with girls. He was feeling awkward. All that, all that typical shit. Maybe not to the extreme as, like, the nerdcore rappers are. He's, he's not, like, um, Mega Ran or MC Lars, but... He still kind of like rides that line between nerd and cool. So Charles Hamilton was just killing it. And on the other side of the world, the other nerds that are up and coming that were the other cool nerds were the cool kids, basically, who weren't on the cover. Drake wasn't on the cover either, but that's because he was too big already. So far gone and already came out and basically had gone platinum. The first like mixtape that they were like selling in stores essentially, other than like a Wayne mixtape. So Drake is out. He's too, he's, he's not typical, but he's more like smooth, ladies love uh, Drake type dude. Then you've got the cool kids and they're nerdy, but they're still like real cool. Like even he would have songs like, people try to make fun of me because I'm a nerd, but I'm still cooler than them. Like even if my stuff says Star Wars, stuff like that. And then you had Charles Hamilton. So that's the stage. So when you get this mixtape about rapper guy being fly with the backdrop of Sonic songs, and you knew all the Sonic songs because you played Sonic 2 when you were a little kid, and because you played the new Sonic video games when it came on Dreamcast because you were a little kid, and because you weren't super cool. You were cool, but it's like you weren't cool because you did nerd shit, but you were still cool with the cool kids. He spoke to my soul. So. That mixtape is nuts. What's crazy is though, the growth he had as an artist was just astronomical. What he was doing on This Perfect Life, which was his, going to be his studio album. It's so well crafted and so well pushed and polished. And some of the rhymes on there are just incredible. On Ghosts, incredible. If you like the samples, Cable in the Classroom is one of people's favorites. That's actually my least favorite song on the album because I feel like it's too rudimentary. He had the, the, what was going to be his single called All Alone. Rapping about how he can't connect with anybody. He feels like he's all alone. He's depressed. He's sad. He was talking about depression and drug abuse on his last album. He claims he's a goth. He's in a different lane. But the growth on this perfect life. That's why I told you to listen to them in the order I told you. Sonic the Hamilton, then the Pink Lava Lamp, then this perfect life. Because this perfect life was him at his most awesome. Charles Hamilton is an obscure character. He's, a, he's an odd character. He started doing other things. When he got dropped from Interscope, he had a temporary deal with another record label where B.O.B. was basically um, helping him try to get back on track. He went tour with him a little bit. He had a song produced with B.O.B. a little bit, which I played earlier, called Paperboy. 
he was putting out mixtapes again. They weren't quite as sharp as his previous ones, but they were still pretty damn good. And the, thought the situation was going to be good, but then more stuff happened. He, fought, he tried to punch a cop. He got thrown in jail, and they just washed their hands of him. When he was doing his comeback, he had an amazing mixtape called Normalcy. And this is the point where you should listen to the Normalcy album because you hear the pain and the frustration and the anger from the issues that he had with the previous mixtape as well as him slowly starting to take that right turn into something new. When Normalcy came out, he had this brilliant song called Loserville where it's talking about we can all just go to Loserville, Loserville, Loserville. And when that came out, Kanye West put that song and featured it on his blog. Because you know Kanye West, one of the reasons he's so successful is because he fucking pays attention to all the people coming up. So, as that, as that was happening, right? As that was happening, he fell off or he disappeared. I can't really say he fell off, but he had some terrible times, more moments with drugs, odd documentaries where he was talking about his problems with the industry. There's one documentary where he's carrying this cane and he's like trying to discuss with his people why things fell off, how things with Interscope fell off. I've heard multiple reasons as to why he was dropped. One was the punch from his girlfriend. Two was the thing where he said about Jay Dilla and then House Shoes and all the people from Detroit turned their back on him. House Shoes started the Ignore Charles Hamilton campaign. Um, he had infighting with other XXL freshman people while Lay went on record saying, mentioning a bunch of rappers. He did it like this. He said, Kid Cudi, that's my nigga. B.O.B., that's my nigga. Charles Hamilton, that is not my nigga. Like he wanted everyone to know. Then he went in on him and like this mini charant. Charles Hamilton was in a bad place. And when he finally got out of jail in 2012, he only wanted to make music. So he forced and tried to get himself and his act right. And he just put out mixtape after mixtape after mixtape. Then around 2013 or still 2012 maybe he got out in 11 and no it was 2012 I think it was all in the year he was did some work with Samus who is one of the dopest MCs the dope nerdcore MC and he put out a couple of projects but then he stopped writing his style changed he started rhyming in his head and he wouldn't like write the song in his head and then spit it back he was like freestyling something memorizing the freestyle and spitting it so the energy is different his, he put out all these like subterranean underground weird sounding mixtapes, uh, crazy beat tapes. He has like over a hundred random projects and he just released, 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 released and flooded the webs with it. People thought that he was done for. But even though he had all this crazy stuff happening to him, he was able to get a new deal. Now he works with uh, a group of producers called The Invisible Men, and his career is finally on track, and it's nice to see it. He's still doing his new recording style, his new rapping style. Every now and then he'll spit a verse on a track, but I don't know who, like, 
persuades him to do it or doesn't persuade him to do it. He doesn't tour. He doesn't really put out much content, but he'll randomly show up doing Instagram stream and he has the same blog, which I think is into the Hamilton blogspot.com. But he's just such a strange, awesome, fantastic, interesting rapper. I'm going to play like three or four Charles Hamilton song snippets. If you guys are listening live, just know that he's one of my favorite MCs from way back. I could listen to his music and talk about his music all day, but it doesn't do it any justice or as much justice as if you finding those mixtapes, finding those albums and doing him right. So shout out to Charles Hamilton. I'm Zid Raw. This is for CH. Sure. 
never to go where you could drown. Baptized in a family youth, I'll never get old. Whoa, slow up. It ain't time for me to grow up. I'm the only one that can make me slow up. So what? You can't do what I do. No time to mind you. I'm already right behind you. Thought I was ahead. This is my 32nd time to pass you. Why would I even ask you? I could run backwards and still pass you. Watch this. Right back at you. Stop time. Reset the clock back to reality faster than you can reset your watch. And you'll still be trying to catch all the ends left you by that sucks Let's go.